Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to talk about the situation when your boyfriend prioritizes everything over you from your perspective, but he says that he doesn't. This is a situation that is common for women if they are in a pursuer distance or relationship or are the preoccupied attachment partner with an avoidant attachment male partner. And I'll get into that as soon as I tell you to subscribe. My most recent awesome subscriber episode was why to stop shaming your partner for their sexual fantasies and desires. And that is uh, something that happens frequently, albeit unintentionally, um, you know, such as the eye rolling, etc. And I discussed that in depth in that most recent episode. And there are over 120 other episodes, I think, by now that are subscriber only. And of course, you should always join my Facebook group. If you go to Facebook and you click on the blue subscribe button for $4.99 a month, you get my group. And that is a fun place with over 250 people in it interacting. And I go in there and interact a lot. So anyway, uh, let's move on. The topic for today is something I see with a lot of women. They are always wanting their boyfriend to hang out more and spend more time with them and ask them to hang out and, and say that they miss them and prioritize the relationship. And instead, the guy feels smothered. Um, he feels that he gives more to this relationship than he ever gave to any other relationship, that he gives more time to this woman than he gave to any other women. And uh, he feels, truly, he's not gaslighting you. Don't go down that hole. Uh, very few uh, men are narcissists. It's very rare. You know, 1% of people are narcissists. So it's probable that he's not a diagnosable narcissist. It is much more common for him just to be avoidant attachment. And um, if he's avoidant attachment, what does that make you? It makes you preoccupied attachment. Go back to the attachment style podcast. That's a subscriber one to get an overview of, of this if you need a brush up or a refresher or to hear about it for the first time even. Um, so what this means is that he was raised to be really independent and you were raised in, in a more... Uh, you, an unpredictable environment. So you're, you had a warm caretaker, but you couldn't always trust them to be around for whatever reason, depression, other kids, uh, busy, bad marriage, for whatever reason, you had at least one parent that you really clicked with, but you couldn't always count on them. That makes you preoccupied attachment. And he was just always trained to be super independent and go play and take care of himself. So now he very well may be in love with you the most out of anybody. And he very well may, from his perspective, be giving you a lot of time. But that doesn't mean he really is. You know, so on one hand, yes, you got to work on your preoccupied attachment. But on the other hand, this doesn't really get better, this dynamic. If you do work on your preoccupied attachment in therapy and, and work on your self-esteem and your ability to tolerate being alone, etc., it doesn't usually make you a better partner for an avoidant partner. Instead, you will be growing more secure and, and therefore, you will be attracted to and will want another secure partner. You know, the, the avoidant guy you will lose interest in 
because he's really not around very much, even though he thinks he is. So avoidant attachment guys like this tend to go into occupations and have friend groups where being alone uh, slash with friends is prioritized and that's the norm. So for example, if he is um, in... uh, in, uh, he's a big corporate guy, right? So so he, he's in a corporation where they have a long hours and constant work travel. So sure, in his peer group, everybody's traveling. You know, everybody's staying in the office until 9 p.m. Everybody, you know, that's who he knows. So from his perspective, yeah, he, he by coming home at 8 p.m., is better than the guys who continue staying till 9 p.m. But in reality, you have many friends whose husbands are home at 6 p.m., you know, and who don't travel constantly for work. And then on the weekends that they're not traveling for work, they don't want to go do whatever sport they're into. And they don't also want to do poker night. And they don't all also basically use the place that you live as like a, a place to just sleep you know, and try to be out of the house basically all the time with the exception of some dates that you go on or if you tag along to his stuff, right? So there are different norms uh, based on who you are. A sortative mating means that you're attracted to people who are like you, but this doesn't happen as much when you're young as, as a sort of peer groups do. Of course, you want to be friends with people who are like you. So a guy, for example, that wants to go on um week-long hunting and fishing trips, he's going to be friends with guys who go, right? And so all those guys are spending that amount of time away from their wives regularly. And so that is their social norm. And then you, if you are like a more of a homebody and more preoccupied attachment or even more secure, although that would be over time, you're not originally going to be with an avoidant attachment man if you're not preoccupied attachment. You're not going to stay in that situation. Because, I mean, it really begs the question. First, I'll say what you'll do. You basically have friends that stay around the house, you know, not the house, but you just like, you know, stay around the area. You're home all the time, pretty much at night. And your job does not preclude you from seeing a significant other. You've basically made your life around having space for a relationship. And then your partner has in no way made his life around that. But anyway, my point was sometimes people are like, okay, fine, but what does a secure relationship look like? Do those guys just not go on hunting and fishing trips or something? Do they just not take jobs where they're gone a lot? Well, to some degree, yes. You know, to some degree, like if if a guy really prioritizes a relationship, not to say he won't go away with his friends one week, you know, a year here and there, but it's not going to be a default. It's not going to be that every weekend is, is primarily spent with his buddies and that work is until 9 p.m. and and travel is constant. It's just that isn't the life. They're going to be more um, planning to be around, you know, because they want to be in a relationship and they prioritize it. So it's like, you know, if you... Um, if, if you really think of the default, most important thing in your life as the relationship and one day the family that you will build, then you make space for that. But if you think of your work life or your social life as the default, then the relationship slash family has to fit around that default. So it's really an incompatibility in what you prioritize as the center of your life. In a securely attached relationship, both people are on the same page. So yes, sure, there's a normal distribution even among securely attached people of how much time they spend together. But there's a difference 
And the key difference is that both people want to spend time together. It's kind of equal how much they ask to spend time with each other and how much they plan for that time and how open they are about uh, prioritizing it and verbalizing that they, they want it. So, uh, and, and, you know, I've seen this happen. There are some guys after therapy, they'll have the exact same work schedule, but their relationship will get a lot better because they have learned in therapy that it's important to text their wife and say, I miss you and I can't wait to see you later. And that's something they weren't doing before and that only the wife was doing. The wife was constantly texting him, when are you going to be home? When are you going to be home? We're not going to get to spend any time together this week if this is how it's going to be for the whole week. I mean, I I don't understand. Like you just had a week like this last week and you said it was going to be better this week and now you're gone all the time and what the hell, right? So instead of her doing that one direction toward him, which of course to him doesn't sound like anything nice at all. It sounds like she's just haranguing him. But of course she is doing that out of anxiety and the desire to be with him, right? But she's just uh, expressing it poorly because that's probably the dynamic she saw in her family of origin, right? But anyway, so instead if he learns to get out ahead of that, have the exact same work schedule, but literally to touch base with her more during the day and to verbalize the idea that he wants to spend time with her, then the relationship changes a lot, you know, and that that takes a lot of work. That isn't just a quick fix because an avoidant attachment guy, he doesn't want to do that. He feels that that's very um, like being kind of a pussy, you know, like that's like like not not who he wants to be is that guy who's like, oh, I miss you. I can't wait to spend time with you. He wasn't raised to be vulnerable like that. So if he can do some deep work and prioritize a marriage over uh, saving face by always being the pursued object, then he can make real change. Generally, people don't want to make this real change before there's something before there's skin in the game. So a man with a family and children and a house and a marriage is going to be a lot more willing to try to change his attachment style uh, in in therapy than a guy who's just dating you. A guy who's dating you, you should not be in therapy with. That that is that is not a winning strategy. If you are not compatible, even in the honeymoon stage, and you are seeing you know things like this uh, happen, like this pursuer distancer dynamic, get out and work on yourself in individual therapy, because it he has no no need to change for you, you know, and and it. It is so much of a warning sign when people who are just dating are in couples counseling. I mean, I see them later. I mean, sometimes it used to be less common to be in couples counseling when you were dating. But I do have some couples that say that they were even in couples counseling when they were dating slash before they had children. And they should have realized then that something was wrong. You know, I mean, that that was not the norm you know, for people to have that level of distress that they would require a mediation of a third party and all of this stuff even prior to um, marriage. Does this mean that you shouldn't go to your pre-cana class, which is the Catholic premarital counseling or whatever? No, you want to go to premarital counseling. Cool. You know, that's like a fun thing to do in a sense, you know, figure out. It's like taking a personality test, but like in person. Great. But if you're going for active conflict, I mean, that that isn't a good sign. Don't get married in that. Yeah, the, the active conflict is trying to tell you something. It's like pain. It's like, you know, if, if you knocked your head into a wall by accident, you get pain. It says don't knock your head into a wall again. Having conflict in early marriage is that. It's saying don't do this. Don't do this. Get out. Anyway, um, the, the, the point here is 
it is extremely difficult but possible to get into a securely attached relationship if both people are trying. Now, in that case, too, by the way, the preoccupied attachment partner does have to learn not to send these haranguing, blaming um, messages to the guy. So both people have to be working there in that situation. She has to learn to sit, sit with her own anxiety without reaching out in an angry, blaming way toward him. And he has to learn to come forward more with his vulnerable feelings toward her. The point here is that people are really only going to do that within the context of having something to lose, i.e. a family. That's going to give you the, the, the motivation. If this is something that you're dealing with in your early relationship, early means before marriage and certainly and even just before kids, then this is the universe telling you there are other men who will want to spend time with you. And the more that you work on yourself in therapy, then the more comfortable you will be with those men because right now, Remember, preoccupied attachment is because you had a warm caregiver, but you couldn't access them all the time. So to you, you may get bored. If you have not processed and grieved and worked through your childhood issues, you're still operating on autopilot. So you're still attracted to whatever you were raised with. So you were probably raised with, uh, as I described, a partner, sorry, a parent who is not really fully accessible. So then that's what you're drawn to. But the more you work on that, then the more you're actually going to be attracted to guys that want to hang out with you. Oh my God, imagine, imagine, I hope you were sitting down. I should have warned you, but could you imagine that could be your life actually being attracted and falling in love with men who want to spend time with you and express that want. Right now, like a lot of women don't break up with the avoidant boyfriend because they say, well, shit, this is the only type of man I've ever been attracted to. This one's the best out of all of them. He's cute. He's smart. You know, he has a good job. I can't really imagine being attracted to one of those nice guys that actually wants to hang out with me. I don't know what's wrong with me, you know, and that's a level of insight. Honestly, that's high, you know, and uh, and that's right. If you don't work on yourself, you will continue to be attracted to men who don't know how to take care of you. I have a whole podcast on when men never take care of you and or men who don't really express the desire to be with you or who do it in such a moderate way, you know, um, not moderate, measured, a really minimal way. I mean, more than moderate. So for so these guys, like, it's not like they say, I hate you, never hang out with me, but they'll just say like, Oh, yeah, totally. We'll do date night. We'll do date night next Thursday. That's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm going to be really busy, though. I'm going to be busy this week. I'm going to be busy the early part of next week. After our date night Thursday, that's going to be great. On Friday, I'm going out with the boys. We're going to go to Vegas. That's going to be like, you know, four days. Then when I come back, we're diving right into that next deal at work. You're like, what the fuck? You know, I mean, you, you one night is, is the night that I'm going to see you. Of course, he may come home, you know, if you share a place, have sex with you, etc. in the interim. But the amount that he's prioritizing you is really one night out of like two weeks, let's say. And so he feels this is good. He talks to his buddies. In fact, he's skipping a night. They were doing something on Thursday too, you know, and, uh, and they're all like him. And the, thus the, you know, women are probably like you that they're dating. And so he actually thinks he's doing a good job genuinely by making sure that Thursday is booked for you out of the next two weeks. Whereas you, the preoccupied partner are hanging out with your girlfriends and some of them, have guys that are going out with them for dinner and drinks and stuff multiple times a week, and they watch the show every night together that they're binge watching. And you're like, what the fuck? Meanwhile, you would not be attracted to those guys because of what you were trained on growing up. You're trained on the partner that you're always trying to get 
and you can't fully get them because you had a parent you were always trying to get the attention of and couldn't fully get it. So, you know, you can, with work, get to the person that wants to hang out with you multiple times a week that says, hey, so on Thursday, we're going to do date night. And then Friday, I plan for us to go um, away for the weekend. Next, the, the week after that's going to be busy at work. But the next Friday, I told my mom that we're going to visit too. That is normal. That is something you could get used to. If you're super preoccupied attachment, though, and you haven't worked on it, then even that guy saying the one busy week at work is enough to fluster you and to make you reach out with blaming uh, text messages. Now, if that's you, then, of course, you need to work on that in therapy because even the securely attached guy who does want to hang out um, an average amount or even a high amount will not be enough. So this is, you know, you could also have a wake-up call from listening to this and be like, my boyfriend does want to hang out multiple times a week. He does prioritize me. My girlfriends say he does, you know, so maybe it's me. You know, maybe it's really me. Maybe he's not avoiding attachment. Maybe I, there's nothing that's enough for me because I grew up in a very unstable home. My parents were always fighting. I wanted to hang out more with my mom. I could never hang out with her because she's always in my, screaming back and forth with my dad. Then there was a divorce. I had to go to my dad when I didn't want to, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the case may be. If there was an alcoholic parent, then don't even worry about it. That's the reason because you don't even have to go further. An alcoholic parent is not fully accessible to a child. I don't care if they were violent drunk or nonviolent drunk. When they're drunk, they're not accessible. So anyway, this should be uh, something for you to really think about given um, any sort of history with becoming involved with, quote, emotionally unavailable men. And uh, if you need to switch the genders for this, then and you are the man that's always going after women that are always making uh, plans with their friends and going to Vegas with the girls and don't have a, to- a bit of time for you, then just do that. I mean... I do my posts and my podcast based on what I see the majority of people struggle with in, in so that people can really see themselves, so that more people can really see themselves in the posts and podcasts. Because sometimes people say, oh, why don't you do everything gender neutral? Because nobody reaches out about the ones that are like, when you're attracted to people that um, sometimes don't want to hang out, nobody reaches out. But if I'm like, when you're like basically a 25-year-old girl that wants to get married to a guy that has a high-flying job and never wants to see you, like 50 people reach out and they're like, oh my God, that's my life. Because, you know, that's a human thing. People like to feel recognized and known. So I talk to the majority, which is why the low libido partner posts I direct toward predominantly men struggling with that. Although I do have many, including one of my earliest ones about when your husband doesn't want sex, because I see that again, 20% of the time in the wild and probably 30% of the people I see. But that is a tangent. And just to explain that, because sometimes I get those people on my Facebook, especially, oh my God, why'd you make it about one gender? It has to be neutral. No, it doesn't. Get your own block. Um, (laughs) uh, Thank you for listening, y'all. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.